Hello, everyone out there in podcast world. I hope you're having a great day. I'm Tersh. That's Josh. And Josh, is we're back together. Right. Yeah. It's been a while. So we're back live. So last week, and obviously it's going to be past this when you guys listen to this, but Tersh was at Service World Expo. I was at, it's not Service Rock, it's Profit Rocket. So we both did separate recordings out there. We're going to have a lot of really great content coming for you guys. Chris did a great job diving into the customer journey and breaking those apart. And he gave some really great tips on this episode and how you can do this. Now his company works with larger brands, but these tips go all the way down to a single, single truck in a truck, if you will. And I think there's a lot of value here on pulling apart your customer journey and finding things, the touch points that are actually going to create value and that experience for your customers. Yeah, hundred percent. For me, I shared a little bit about my client experience and when we had a breakdown of sharing the experience that we expect everyone to have the consistency of our brand and how once we stopped doing that properly then we really started struggling um, maintaining culture and maintaining clients who really raving fans of ours check out this episode and let us know what you think about it are you looking for valuable business advice to reach that seven figure revenue mark do you want actionable tips to properly navigate through every business challenge you encounter along the way? Let Tersh Blissett and Josh Crouch be your guide in getting you to the top here at Service Business Mastery. Tune in as they sit down with world-renowned authors in business, leadership, and personal growth who share valuable insights about management, marketing, pricing, human resources, and so much more. Let their nuggets of wisdom gold guide you in owning a thriving, profitable, and ever-growing business. Here are your hosts, Tersh and Josh. So we're back into our live routine here. And as you've noticed, Tersh and I are modeling our new gear. So if you do look at this live or watch the video... This is the front of the hat. That's the back, back of the hat. <laughs> and we are going to start having some of this stuff for uh, for you guys. We may even do some drawings for, for people to win. We got some t-shirts and some other really cool stuff. But just wanted to kind of throw that out there because we just got this stuff like the beginning of last week, right before we both left for our trips and have had no opportunity to even let people know about it. So we got a lot of plans for 2023 and beyond. But that being said, we are talking about putting in place actionable plans for your team for 2023. And today's guest is Chris Wallace. He is from Interview Group. And we're going to dive deeper into that because it's that time of year when people really want to start planning, moving forward, plan for 2023, get plans in place and, and figure out what their budgets and what was the team look like in 2023? Well, How are we going to make sure that we hit our goals? The go-to-market strategies and the frontline channels, that's something where for me, I have a challenge where like I have things in my head that I don't always get put on paper or translate it properly to my staff. And then I hear them regurgitate the information that I thought that I had clearly explained to them. And I'm like, oof, I did a horrible Tersh. job. <laughs> so a lot of my communication is written because of project management and we're remote and all that kind of stuff. So it's like through ClickUp and Slack, I'll task something out. They do exactly what I told them to do. And I go, yeah, I wasn't very clear. <laughs> like I should have done a lot better job because you try to do it quick. Right. And you think yeah. like, well, you know, what's going on in your head, but you don't necessarily know what they know or how they understand the same thing. So I completely feel you on that one. <laughs> Dude, it's, it all goes back for me. It goes back to what Ari Mizell said when we, when we had him on the show and that was, you know, write down what you're going to do. Or, or record a video, have it transcribed, have somebody else do it. And then all the times, all the pain points that you missed or everything that they missed because it wasn't described properly, have it redone. It. Yeah. Yep. And then redo it. And he said, he said it would take three or four times of doing something like that before you would. Yeah. And then it's like good. triple verified, right? Yeah. You said it, somebody else listened to the video, somebody else transcribed it, or I'm sorry, a third person actually went ahead and did the like the transcription part of it and to see if they actually did it right. It's a great, it's a great tip. It's not always perfect because sometimes you're out in the field, especially with contractors and stuff, but it definitely is something that can be done and, and recorded. You just have to have a commitment 
to constantly yeah. improving your team. And if there was anything that I took away from Profit Rocket, especially when Tommy Mello spoke, and most of the people there when he spoke the second morning, it was a lot about everything was about his team. Everything. Literally, he does everything for his team, make sure that they have things set up to um have a have a way to buy a house, learn how to like the different things, how to buy a house. He's That's got a awesome. lot of really cool programs because and that was the that was the takeaway that a lot of people got was I'm throwing everything to invest in my team. Huh. And I'm, that's what we're going to talk about today with with Chris. And we're going to talk about making sure it's a, an organized plan and not just a, this is what we're going to do. And I have no idea how we're going to sling it against the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> Before we get started, though, really fast, I want to say thank you to Upfrog, Sarah and Company Cam. Without those teams, this podcast could not be made possible. So, yeah, huge, huge shout out to those guys. But with that being said, let's get started with the show. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Guys, thanks so much for having me. I'm looking forward to talking with you today. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we get started, I got to ask you a question, and I'll ask Josh this also. In one sentence, how would you sum up the internet? <laughs> one sentence or one word? One sentence. <laughs> I was going to say chaotic as if it was a word. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's it. You can do one the, word. The, to me, the internet is the best and worst thing that's ever happened to civilization. That's what I would say simultaneously i i agree that's a great summarization because it definitely there is amazing parts (laughs) and then there are parts and i was embroiled in a little bit of this last week with some online social media stuff there can be some really bad stuff too like just (laughs) your emotions you you can get things out there too fast (laughs) before you sat down and thought about this might be a whole other podcast episode we think you're going on this topic for a while Uh, tersh and i have been asked about it Tersh was asked about it plenty in Tampa. I was 2,000 miles away and he was getting asked about it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a true story. It's, a true it's all story. good, though. It's all industry specific <laughs> stuff and it is what it is now. But so, Chris, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, I guess what, what it is you guys do and what you, how you help biz- businesses grow. Sure. So, I, I think that the, the best way I can think to describe it is I, I'm going to start with a phrase that maybe is is a little bit overused or maybe misunderstood because of the internet, and that's customer experience. And when we think about really anything in business right now, everything comes back to delivering a great customer experience. And when you think about, you know, I'm a big believer that value is the most important thing that business owners need to focus on. How am I taking, how am I creating value? How am I creating operations around value? And how am I making sure that the customers perceive value from what I deliver? And the experience is the biggest driver of value, of perceived value with customers right now. And especially when you think about the businesses that you guys are in and what your listeners are doing every day. I mean, what's, what's, what's more important than experience in your world? So as an organization, we have been, my team and I have been in the trenches, so to speak, with hundreds of thousands, if not into the millions at this point, of, of frontline employees across any type of industry that you can imagine just trying to better understand the experience that consumers are looking for and how companies can put their people in a position to deliver better experiences because products are not how you're winning customers right now. It's through experiences. So that's our expertise. That's what we do for brands big and small. Yeah, Chris, I got a, so it's a great, great topic and great segue into the episode today because I talked with several, my clients and other contractors when I was out at that event and it, there's it, and I post about this a lot online too because there is a big disconnect because you have marketing right whether that's in-house it's it's digital marketing companies it's direct mail branding with TV radio stuff like that either way you still have to once something once somebody contacts your business the experience has to start and so when, it, when it, I literally had a client who said we don't devote enough time to our CSRs. They were in a breakout and that's even like at, their number like one takeaway. Call centers, like after hours call centers. So how do you break these things apart into smaller chunks? Because if we think about the entire customer journey from the time they pick up the phone. Man, that's overwhelming. To, it's like, holy crap, that's a lot of touch points to fix. So how do you, how do you go about breaking that fix. up? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, so, so I think that, yeah, there are a lot of steps. I think that you can, it can be a little bit daunting. I think that the best way to think about it is, you know, what are, what are the major touch points, right? I, it, it depends on the size of your organization. If you're a major insurance company or a major bank, I mean, you've got teams of people that are doing journey mapping and looking at, oh, like, I mean, I've seen yeah. some of these charts, guys, some of these maps, and they'll make your head spin, but it doesn't have to be that detailed, at least to start. And I think that when you start thinking about your experience, it's, it's looking at the places where the biggest impact is going to happen, right? In the service business, you know, where, where, where's, where are those big impact points? It's going to be the first person that answers the phone, okay? First person answers the phone. Most service organizations that I talk to, the first person who answers the phone, how do you think they sound? In your, in your opinion, guys, Overwhelmed. how do you think they I, I listen. I listen to these calls, and I have a team that listens to them. So, I can say without a shadow of a doubt, it's usually not the person's not very happy or cheery. Sometimes it's the owner, and the call quality sucks because they're on a roof or they're in a basement. Whoa, just, whoa, 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 whoa! We cannot glaze over the word you just said. What did I say? What is the thing that's on top of a house called? What did I? What did I say? What did you say? What do you I call that roof, thing? I say rooftop. No, a, a rough. I call it a rough. Hang on. I can't get past that. Wait I must minute. have learned a new accent while I was gone. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay. I just didn't want to slip that past everybody. Anybody. <laughs> but the the point remains the the call quality is because you don't have somebody that's literally designated where when the phone answers that is. That is focus number one. You have an You're office manager. Right? Yeah, you have an office manager. It's not their full-time yeah. job. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, you know, I, I will say the best, the best phone call I ever had with a service business, and I actually told the woman what I do for a living and told her how good she was. It was an outsourced call center. So it really? was a franchise business, but they had the option for franchisees to have their calls routed to a call center. And this person was like their appointment setter. And she was killer. I mean, she was clearly trained, great disposition, things like that. But she's not in the chaotic office with the tradespeople coming in and out and the van door slam and people looking for tools and lunch wrappers sitting on the desktop and okay. stuff like that. So that Chris, wasn't the environment she was in. Well, let me ask you about this. Okay, so for one, devil's advocate, and for two, really, that's how our business is run. My, my office staff, they work from home or a shared workspace, but mainly or work from home. What do you say to the person who says, okay, it sounds like you just rolled out of bed because you're not in that office. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Because because I've heard that where you're just like, oh, your after hours call taker sounds like they just rolled out of bed and we know that they work from home. You know? I, I mean, I think it, it comes down to one simple thing. And I see, you know, kind of the, the scroll with, you know, translating your business strategy into clear and actionable, you know, plans. It starts with who do you want to be? Right. And this is where sort of I think our expertise can be translated for, for your listeners is all branding is all marketing is, is companies deciding who they want to be. Who do, who do we want to be? Who are we going to who are we going to be to the world? Who are we going to tell the world that we are? And I think even small organizations need to decide who you want to be and who you want to be is going to be reflected in how somebody answers that phone. And what I'm saying here is it, this is definitely one of those you have to stop and think these things through. But it doesn't take that much time. If you're willing to stop, it's not, it's not going to take you to six months to figure this out. It really is about thinking about who you want to be, what do you promise to the consumer, and making sure that that promise is translated into behaviors that come through on the phone. They come through when a technician or salesperson shows up at the house. It comes through when the technician is going to be there to do work. It comes through in the follow-up phone call to see if you're satisfied all of those things, I mean, understanding what those touch points are and where you have a chance to make an impression on the consumer, that's where they're going to say at the end of the day, and we'll get into the payoff of this. I want to talk about the payoff of this later on, but really thinking about who you want to be and making sure that that is, like you said, Tersh, written down, right? Written down so people can see it. That way, when they when they answer, when they pick up the phone, they know that there's an expectation of how they're going to act when they, when they pick up that phone or else they're not living up to the standard that you're setting. Everybody needs to know that and everybody needs to commit to it. That's a hard thing to do because, again, you look at the entire journey. and It's a long journey, even for a one, two-hour service call. That's a long journey to think about all of these, these points. For sure. So obviously you guys are in the business of this, but let's say somebody works with you guys. 
you uncover these things and help them break these things into little chunks so they can fix little chunks at a time, which encompasses the entire journey. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's a lot of what we're doing. And now typically, you know, it's worth noting that typically what we're doing is a lot of times we work with the larger brands that are in in your industry. So, you know, what I would say to you is think about the work that you guys do and you sell. You're salespeople. You're salespeople yeah. for somebody. You're salespeople for yourselves, but you're also salespeople for a variety of different products, manufacturers, you know, providers that that you represent, mm-hmm. you know, vendors that you represent. And a lot of times we're working with those folks to make sure that, you know, the brand that they have and the brand that they want, you know, when that something new is installed in the home or whatever the case may be, that that name means something to the consumer and that the person who put it there is reflects, you know, the experience that they want to deliver. So a lot of times we're working with, with those larger brands, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, what we are doing is we are breaking, we break down the experience and we say, if you want to be differentiated, you want to stand out and you want to win business and win referrals and grow your business as a result of your experience, if you want to compete on something other than products, we give you a, a really distinct path, a clear path to making sure that doing business with you feels different than doing business with another shop down the street because you thought about it, you were deliberate about it, and you stand for something different. That's a great point. It is a great point. So I, and so I was sitting in on a breakout. <clears throat> I wasn't in there long. It was day two. And the advice given was, whatever your price is, raise it $5,000 on a new system, which I thought was <laughs> Horse shit advice. <laughs> I will not tell you who said it. It's somebody that I'm not going to hire them. It's someone I've already battled with online. But my point is to, and this ties into your point. If you just raise your price and there is no value, your service is not great. Customers will call you out. Yep. Yeah. And you have to keep that in mind. Like just raising your price because a guru told you to raise your price is not the best advice. So, so here's my thing to, to play devil's advocate with that, Josh. And I would say sometimes you you have to raise your price to to create, what's the best way to say this? Opportunity to create value. Uh, yeah, a leverage against yourself. So you have room. So, right, you're so you like, can hire it, better people, train yeah, them. You can, you can, and you can add the wow factor things because of that. But then it's like, okay, how many times do I have to sell a system before I have enough money to pay the extra to get the wow? And, and, and did I rob those first couple people of doing it? Or is this, is this a transition where like we're learning at the same time as our clients are learning, you know, what we're, what we're all about. Wow. is not as expensive as you think it may take some time, but it, it might not, it's not as expensive as you think. But the other places I think where it shows up is, if you have somebody, and again, I could sit here right now and I could break down the buying journey, you know, one of the categories you guys work in and walk through where the opportunities are for you to inject, you know, a different and better experience that includes in the selling process. And if the, if the experience is good and people feel like they've been heard, they've been listened to, somebody understands what their situation is, then they're, they're going to be willing to pay more. The opportunity, and it's not just raising your price for raising your price sake, which I don't think is a, a good a good MO for your business. But what is good for your business is upselling, right? Good customers, if, if you have a good customer experience, your upsell rates are going to go through the roof. They're going to yeah. go through the roof. Your average ticket size is going to go through the roof, right? If it truly, if the experience is consultative, you feel heard, you feel understood, you feel like it's personalized to you, you know, the... Here, I'll give you a tip. I'll give you a tip of how you can charge more money. Okay. Your world, people rely on you for expertise. They don't know, right? Right. They don't know. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're shopping for. They don't know what they're buying. This is the phrase based on your situation. What I recommend is blank. Yeah. Based on your situation, what I recommend is blank. If you know, and would fill in that blank with whatever you think makes most sense. And if what you think makes most sense for that consumer is the upgraded system or, you know, based on these factors, I recommend the phrase I recommend in fields where, where people are looking for expertise and advice, which is frankly, most industries right now, we can get into the other industries I work in, but I recommend is a great way for people to say, you know what? I just got advice. I got I got ex, an expert opinion, and guess what? People are willing to pay more when you do that. And I'm not saying that that as a trick, but truly oh, right. as something. If you go through the right process and you listen to them, that that phrase can earn you an upsell pretty quickly. 
Well, right, because if you didn't ask the right questions, you can't recommend things, right? If you didn't That's ask a good point too. qualifying questions, you can't say I recommend something. You're like you you didn't even listen. If I you're have no just idea rolling you through it, like okay, I'm reading this list, and I've done this. Like I've gone to the sales. How class, many people do it? Right, and I'm like okay. The next step is to do this. And, and you're like, you're, you're, like, okay. you're like, it's like training a monkey, right? Like monkey do this. Don't even care about what they say. Just oh do this thing gosh. next. I was on a job one time and I knew this, this young lady relatively well, but I didn't know her, know her. Like we weren't friends or anything. And I had just gone through this class and I was like, I'm going to try this out. Try it out. I role played it maybe once, maybe twice, but that was it. And I was role-playing on my client and she was like, sweetheart, I just want this one right here. You can just stop. <laughs> I was like, thank God. Cause I'm done with this. I'm done with reading out all this stuff and memorizing all this formulas and stuff. And she was like, just here's what I want. You already answered the questions that I had and let's go. And I was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> Cause it's, it is painful. Just pay attention, ask the questions and have exactly a legit right. conversation. Pay attention, ask the right questions, have a legit conversation. I mean, those are building blocks of a great customer experience, but how many people do it? Like, I, honestly, like how many people do it? It's not the norm in most service businesses. And one of the interesting things is a lot of the industries we work in, there's a service component. Somebody, somebody ends up in the home as a result, you know, there's an installation there, you know, there mm -hmm. there's something that involves it, you know, some sort of a technician or, or a service person going into the home and the the breakdown is so clear i mean the, the the breakdown is clear those simple steps that they can follow to reinforce the message to reinforce the customer satisfaction are just things that are skipped they're not written down they're not shared with their team and people don't do them they simply don't do them they don't feel like they have to they you know and, and one thing i would say is in talking to a lot of manufacturers you, you know we ask manufacturers how confident are you that the service person going into the home is telling your story the way you want them to. And they're like, oh my God, like, no, like, no, That's they a are joke. definitely not. That's yeah, not exactly happening. right. But why not? They should be partnering so, with you to make sure that happens. But part of it would be, I don't know their story. Like, I don't know how they want theirs to be told would be part of it. The other part of it is my technicians say this all the time. I've been guilty of saying this myself in the past. And that is, That'll work in that area in that region, but that's not going to work here in the deep South. I can't yeah. say that here. And yeah. in reality, like whatever way you say things, it needs to be, you need to have a consistency in there. And for me, the consistency, like we try our best to get the same service tech or service expert into the home every single visit. But if we don't get the same person into the home, I want to have consistent experience across the board. So I want everyone to do the same thing or similar thing. And whenever everybody's like, well, that doesn't work. So I'm just going to wing it and do my own thing. And then this person over here is going to wing it and do their own thing. Then it's a very inconsistent experience. And then they're like, that's when they start asking for a certain technician all the time because they like the experience that they got with that person. So that's what to, we to, do to, to add a question to that. So let's say you got a plan in place and you work on these things. How do you keep, quality control so these things don't divert backwards yeah it's a good question that's really hard it, it depends on the size of your organization it's not like you're putting a gopro on people and, and <laughs> auditing their you me know, with their a good time i got one sitting right here actually not a terrible idea maybe we should think about doing that but gopro just got a, a free plug there but there you go. how do you make sure that they're still doing it it's not easy but you know one of the ways that we find you know you can really build a successful sort of service oriented, you know, mindset experience oriented mindset is to be constantly asking your team for examples of the things that they've done with their, with their customers. And we've done this in pest control. We've done it in flooring. We've done it in, you know, in, in a number of frontline in the home type of, of industries where when you put the standards out there to reinforce the standards, rather than you telling people you have to do this or else, it's constantly asking them or giving them a forum to share the things that they're doing a day in day out basis to show that they are committed to this and to show that they're committed to the customer. So this idea of um, make them complicit in their own, you know, kind of in their own uh, commitment and behavior change is, is the best way to do it. And it also brings in that peer element as well. It's, oh, Joe, you know, shared an example of what he did on his job the other day and that's a really like, that's, that's good. Like I can see why customers would like that. 
I'm going to do that too. And all within some sort of a framework, all within sort of the, you know, call it the steps, the pillars, whatever you want to call it, giving them those guidelines, but then allowing them to share examples of how they're sort of living that and, and, and delivering that experience every day. It spreads like wildfire. Once you have peers sharing to peers and, and it's not coming from the top and it's not, doesn't feel like an audit, that's when you see real magic happen. So you, you can't put guardrails and control on it. You can't control right. it. What you can do is trust your people and empower them and listen to them. Could it go the other way too? Like if there were peers that were talking about, I don't know, like the bad apple, you know what I mean? And you're not careful, like the water cooler chat or the dumpster chat, we call it because you're cleaning out vans at the dumpster. Parking lot meetings. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they're like, you don't really have to do that. Like you just, you can go over here and do this this way. And I mean, that's the challenge that I have. Obviously auditing clients, like a happy call. We, we do happy calls and we, man, we find out some things on happy calls. Like there's people who we've released to new opportunities due to happy calls. And it's, it's sad and mind blowing at the same time because they all know that we're going to do happy calls too. And we're going to talk to the clients at the same time. Measuring it is key, right? So you're talking about doing happy calls. I mean, big organizations will use customer satisfaction scores, net promoter score, you know, things you've taken the surveys, right? How likely are you to recommend, you know, this, this retailer, this online service, this hotel to a friend or family member, you get those questions all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those types of tools exist for independent business owners and small businesses and things like that, where, you know, most people think, I'm going to get up on my soapbox here big time. Most people think that Google reviews is your commitment to your customer experience. And that that's how you get feedback. Google reviews are about you. They're not about your customer. People don't, people don't care what's in the Google review as long as it's good. Nobody's taking Google reviews and going back and saying, oh, we got to be better with this and that. Google reviews are not the mechanism to truly understand the experience your customers are having. So a great check on your people in terms of auditing it is having there be when the sales call happens. They get that text and it says, how satisfied were were you with your experience? After the technician leaves, they take the little booties off, they walk out and everything's done. How satisfied were you with your in-home service experience? Asking people and looking at that information, smart business owners and independent business owners, we're not talking about big corporations, independent business owners are incenting their people on those responses. Simple responses, simple scores. We're not talking about, you know, big data here. We're talking about simple ways to really understand if your people are showing up and delivering what you want them to. So that, that'd be one tip as well. Well, t- let me ask you based on that tip, whenever you have that going out, if you had a net promoter score, a simple survey going out, how likely is that person to still leave a review? If like, d- because for me, I feel like, all right, I've done my kind deed of the day when I did my review or my survey. And then if they hit me up at the same day to leave a review, I'm like, Ugh, I, can't, I did my good deed. Like you push it. I'm not that nice. <laughs> I, this is what I would say. You don't want to survey your customer to death. I think you can think about the places where it makes the most sense. Maybe it is the sales, this, you know, maybe it's the sales experience, the service experience, and then it's the, the review piece. But again, it's all in how you message it, right? Yeah. I think it's all in well, how you message it. If you had a good experience, we'd be very grateful for you to, to share your experience. I think people generally recognize the difference between the quick survey and and like, you know, posting a Google review and things like that. But I'll tell you, people have gotten so focused on, I want to say focused, wrapped around the axle completely on trying to make sure that people are, are, are doing good Google reviews and, and you have salespeople and, and, and things like that, people in showrooms who are, are, you know, I'll give you a discount if you get, if you give a good Google, like, and, and, and just gaming the heck out of it. Well, and Chris, maybe, maybe you didn't hear this, but last week, I'm going to say you, like, Chris, you about to get hugged by Josh. Like I'm reviews, just going to go ahead and end this episode so over here. This <laughs> post that I was referring to someone who is, has some stature oh in God. our industry said that memberships like tune up like maintenance agreements and stuff like that are dead and reviews were the new memberships i had some issues with that and i so i he posted my own it. thoughts on my facebook page and it like it literally reached coast to coast i mean it was like it was it, it was kind of a firestorm it was. it was it was it was fun to see people's opinions mm-hmm. uh, but so 
I was going to ask you a question. They were very strong opinions that we didn't need to be focusing on well, Google. Like, like, and here's, exactly like you said, though. Google's not about your customer. A Google well, review is not about your customer. Is you, you can pretend yeah. that it is, but a Google review is about you selling more stuff. And, and if you convince yourself, otherwise you're lying to yourself. It is a digital marketing tool. It is not a customer experience tool. They are separate things. So Chris, I was going to ask you on this. I, was, I had a thought pop into my head because in 2023 for our digital marketing company, I want to add NPS. I obviously want to get reviews, but I also want to add like an NPS, like a, a, you know, figure out some kind of cadence for that. Do you think like a service, let's go back to a service business. Obviously the best time for them to get a review for promoting their company on digital marketing platforms is going to be right away. Do yep. you think there is value? Like, let's say three months after the fact, because right now they're happy. The repair is done. The system was installed. Whatever the case is, they're happy. But the people who are actually going to refer you are the ones that are still happy a month from now, three months from now, six months from now. And obviously you want to get too far out because they might even remember who you were. But if you do something like that, is there value in something like that of doing like a separate NPS thing in two months after the service was done? Josh, you're almost starting to sound like a customer experience guy. I mean, with with <laughs> with that with that question, I think my answer is yes. But I, what I want to say is, what do you think? Like honestly, like like think about like if you what you just did there is you looked at the customer's journey and their overall experience with you, and you said, if we didn't fix it in that minute, we stink at our job. Like if we stink at our job, we can't hope for a good review. What matters is that it works three months from now and they're not calling us again, right? That's what really matters. And hitting them in that, reminding them, I haven't had to talk to you. I haven't had to have you come back out and fix something that you didn't fix the first time. Reminding, like you talk about hitting them at a time where they're going to have nothing but good to say, having there be a structured cadence to when you do that follow-up, it, it, it and there, I don't think there's an exact recipe for it, but I do think that if you're thoughtful about it, you can say, okay, maybe it's 60 days and, or it, it might depend on if the season changes and, and, you know, maybe they're not using the, whatever the case may be, but thinking about, you know, making sure that you're touching them at those right times is key. The other thing is if you're doing those, you know, wanting to make sure if you did, if you had a cadence, okay, play this out with me. Okay. If you do a service repair, and you have a cadence of the number of times you're going to reach out to that customer over the next year to make sure it's still working. In the name of customer service, in the name of customer experience, we want to make sure everything's going okay. Is everything going okay? And you're there reaching out to them proactively before they have to pick up the phone and call you. Who are they going to call next time they need a repair? They're going to call you 100% of the time because you're, you're staying top of mind. You're staying in front of them. You're showing that you care. You're showing that you care that you delivered a good service, you know, good service on the front end. So I think you, that's a great way. I, mean, I think that's times? great for your listeners. Is there too many times to have that point of con that that touch? Absolutely, yes. There's too many times. Yes. I mean, I I can't that? say there's a magic number on that. <laughs> maybe it's two. That's maybe, what I was looking it's, for. maybe it's 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 sixty days and six months. You know, mm -hmm. maybe it's twice within that first year, and you follow up and and say, hope everything's you know going well. You know, we we were out there on blank date. Wanted to make sure everything is still going well for you. Hopefully, hopefully everything's good. And it truly is. You don't do it as a sales call. You don't do it in the hopes that something's going to be wrong. Yeah, I believe as a small business owner, you do the right thing for the right reason. Guess what? You're going to earn more business as a result of that. If you're checking in on them, making sure they're okay, you're following up on your work. You want to make sure your work is sticking. Is it okay to automate service. that? Is it is it okay to that we automate that so that it's automatically like go there. 61 days and... <laughs> you know, six months and three days from the, the time of the last visit? I think it depends on the experience that you want to deliver. I, I, okay. So so what I, what I would say is, is, is it better than doing nothing? Sure. I mean, is it, it is. It's absolutely better than doing nothing. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you, you're in an industry that, you think about it, people get busy, right? Yeah. The phones are ringing, the trucks are coming, the vans are coming and all that kind of stuff. And you... If if you if it's not a person that does that reach out and you do it proactively, the next touch point that you have with them when it's reactive, guess what? You run the risk that they, they call on a busy day and the phones are ringing off the hook and the next experience that they have. This is about controlling the experience and delivering what you want and being deliberate about it. Yeah. If automation is the way you want to go with that, it's better than nothing. So we were testing stuff and part of this was to reactivate a database, right? It's to get back in front of people, one, see how they're just... Start with how was your experience and, and 
honestly, some of the feedback we got, a lot of it was great. And then obviously we can try to get a review, get back in the home, send them a special offer for being a loyal customer, whatever the case is, right? But there were people that came back and we didn't even, nobody knew that they actually had issues. They were, hey, the pr- I thought the price was too high. Hey, I, this thing didn't quite work afterwards, but I haven't called back. It allows you options to fix problems before somebody just decides not to call you next time because it was done after the fact. It wasn't immediate, yeah. right? Because we don't know that the faucet's still going to drip after the initial fix is done. Maybe the initial fix didn't actually completely fix it. And a week later, they're like, it's still dripping. Now, but, but how, how many times does a customer call when at the exact moment that something's wrong versus just kind of learning to live with it for three or four weeks? If yeah. you hit them at that in that, oh, I've been meaning to call phase and, and, and you hit them with a text or a phone call, whatever the case may be, or an email, and they're like, you know, you lit a fire under me. I'm glad you called, right? And now yes. you were at the right place at the right time as opposed to getting them when they were frustrated, mad, angry. When, when they finally broke down, they're like, oh my God, I just can't handle it anymore. I got to call somebody. If you're in front of them at the right time, the, the more you're in front of them, again, without overdoing it, the greater you increase your likelihood that you're going to create an experience that's on the terms that you want and the terms that you can deliver effectively as opposed to somebody mad, frustrated. When can you get out here? That's not quick enough. All those types of things. I mean, the whole goal of having customers should be to create raving fans. Raving fans tell other people about that product, about that service, about that experience. If you're just kind of like in and out, like it's hot and you fix, you just throw a capacitor in an AC unit and you move on. You don't, you didn't deliver any sort of experience. They're like, well, I'll just call the next guy if you're busy. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter. Your guys are all the same, right? That's what they look at. Like, well, you're all the same. You just do the same thing. How, how do you make sure that they don't think that you're the same? I mean, that, and I think that's what we're talking about. And I think in your business, there's there's no industry that's more referral driven than yours. There's no industry. I mean, it, we have a text thread in my neighborhood. Okay, we've joked that in my neighborhood, if we found an HVAC guy, a basement waterproofing guy, a tree guy, and just like had them on staff, and they just worked our neighborhood, like we <laughs> like it would be great for them. It would be great for us. But what do we do? The guys in the neighborhood get the text thread going. It's like, I need a blank. Who knows Who knows a guy? And that's how the referrals, I need a contractor. I need, a, I need an HVAC guy. I need a plumber. And that's how we find people in our neighborhood. And I think most people are the same way. So, you know, you want to make sure that you, you have that reputation and you're the ones that say, I'll tell you what, I've done business with a lot of these folks, but these guys are different, right? This is all about making the choices of how you want to be different and getting your team rallied around how you're going to be different. That's what I'm with a client this week. I'm at a conference this week and they said, listen, we're going to decide what makes us different. We're going to find what makes us different. We're going to write it down. We're going to tell it back to our teams and we're going to go out and we're going to live it every day. This is so, it's so funny. I literally had a meeting with our ops manager, my wife, who's my business partner and myself going over core values. Cause we're about two and a half years in business and we're finally starting to like, We've gotten growth and all that stuff and we got employees, but now it's like, okay, who are we? What do we bring to the market or what do we want to be? Who do we want to be looked at as? So yep. I think it's a great time. And, and right as the end of 2022, a lot of times this is a great time for you to reset and to stop what you're doing. Take a break, right? Take a break. Stop answering the, like, even turn the phones off for a couple of days if you have to. Just take a break and really what? focus. Turn the phones off. Okay. Hire an answering service. Marketing guy <laughs> telling me to turn the phone off. Hire an answering service. You get what I mean? <laughs> hire your aunt or, or a cousin or something for a couple of days. Like focus on your business if that's you. Because if you don't answer these questions and you don't think about your journey, it never, you're, you're going to be pissed in two years when it's not any better than it is today. Yeah. You look back and be like, oh, like I'm, still doing the same grind in the same rat race and it doesn't get any better if you don't plan for it and that's and that's why we that's why we have this show for anyone that's listening we have guys like chris on here guys that literally this is what they do they help you so you don't have to try to come up with the plan yourself they ask you the questions (laughs) they help you build the plan then you just have to execute it makes it a lot easier so it's more structured versus like oh, i got some chicken scratch on a piece of note paper somewhere Man, and that execute <laughs> that execute words the hardest one sometimes <laughs> for sure it can be do a you, challenge chris do you find that once you so you obviously work with a lot of clients you build a plan you guys agree on a plan 
and that six months it, later it ends up falling short because of the execution still on the wall hasn't been done I, i'm a consultant i'm long gone by that point i don't care no i'm just kidding so i, I, I love I, the I, answer I though mean, I, i'm gone no I'm, I'm i'm kidding i mean that's actually what's made us different and unique in, in our spaces is, is we we don't we didn't, we're not a cut and run you know kind of group but so the um in it's inevitable that things are going to have some 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 breakdown i think that the way you sort of you, you sort of guard against that is keep things as simple as possible, right? And I keep, I keep seeing the scroll here of translate your business strategy into simple, clear, and actionable plans. That's truly what we're talking about. Translate them, right? Tra it, 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 it is a translation process of here's who we want to be. These are the things, these are the, this is the way we have to act in order to be it, right? And, 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 and honestly, that, that process really isn't that hard. You probably don't need me in order to do it. But between writing things down that are simple and having there be some sort of a of regular touch point or regular forum for your team to share examples of what they are doing is the way you keep it alive. Mm -hmm. If you stop focusing on it, they stop focusing on it. That's when true. somebody new joins, you tell them this is the way we do things around here. If you're if you if you don't believe us, go talk to Jim. He's a technician that's been here for 17 years. And people request Jim every single time. And we want, you know, we people go to him because he does these four steps. When he walks in, when he encounters our customer, he does these four things every single time. And it's become second nature to him. But he's always looking for new ways that he can serve customers better. So I, I think that idea of having people share what they are doing. And again, it's not coming from you. It, it, I mean, I'm going to use the C word, guys. It's cult that starts to build a culture. And whether you're big or you're small, it being the, this is the way we do things around here. People take pride in it. Right. We talk about belief, confidence and pride. If your people have belief, confidence and pride in the things that they're doing every day and the way they serve customers, guess what? Then it becomes cemented into the fabric of your company and you, you're, it, it's going to be a lot easier to maintain it. So culture is easier to maintain. If it's just starting out, it's hard. But once it starts to you know pick up steam and then it becomes culture. Do you I find agree. when you that's, that's do you find crazy. when you make these when these you know you, you implement these changes and stuff like that, you may have you may lose some people when you implement new changes like this. You should. And, and is, you that should is that something you should be, is that something business owners should be prepared for if they're, if they're deciding to go to this level, hire someone to help them plan, be like, Hey, you're probably going to lose a couple people and, and you have to be okay with that. Josh, I'm going to, I'm going to give you credit. That, that's like, that's like a second level question that that's something, <laughs> honestly, like that, that's a, that's something that when we do the work we do, sometimes we, we not sometimes, most of the time we tell clients, I, I told a client this not you know, a couple of weeks ago, I said, if you do, you, they told me what they were hoping to do, going through a transformation. I said, that is great. If we come in and we help you with that, we help get your people on board for it. You're going to lose people. You're going to lose people because some people are going to say, that's not for me. That's not the way I do things. Or I, and the, that, that's the best thing that could happen to you. If you decide who you want to be, you know, I talk about it, you know, you magnetize yourself. And what do magnets do? They suck in some things, but they repel others. Yep. And there are going to be times that people are going to say, that's not for me. I don't do things that way. I just want to shut up and, and go in and, and you know not look at the customer, not look them in the eye, whatever the case may be, and get my job done. That's fine. This isn't the place for you to work. There's plenty of other shops that want to do that. And I'll be 10 times as big as them in the long run. So let them walk. I mean, honestly, I know that sounds hard, especially in a tight labor market, yeah. but let them walk. You know, I've from personal experience, this is me being vulnerable on a podcast with all these people listening to us. I have not let that person walk before and they came in in six months, ruined our culture. I mean, went from this is the service emperor way of doing things to now it's every guy for himself. And like and then it took I mean, it's still not even back on course the way it should be from that time. And that's been, man, two years ago. And. It, it, it was one of those things where like I needed I needed people in here that were already trained technicians and I didn't need to train them and all this other stuff. And man, it it really it probably cost me a half a million dollars, million dollars total in sales because of not paying attention to that. No one said running a business is easy. True no story. one said it's easy. I, we all walk that fine line between I need people. I don't know that that's the right person. And it's really hard. I, I, please don't think I'm ever going to come on and say that these are that these are really simple decisions. But it's, if, if you start writing stuff down and saying, this is who we want to be, this is our strategy, this is our plan, this is who we're going to be in our community, some people are, are going to identify with it and other people are not going to. And if they don't identify with it, you truly are better off in the long run to, to let them walk. Yeah, great point. That's, that's good, man. Chris, you brought a ton of 
value here and a ton of golden nuggets that that we need to go back and listen to this episode a couple times really to to really let it all sink in truly and there's some things here that josh and i have talked about several times before and you if you're listening to this for the first time you may not have heard us talk about it or experience it the same way josh and i have so it, it, i challenge you to go back and listen to it again because there's a lot of little things that that were mentioned throughout this episode that really just i mean we're living examples. Josh and I both are living examples of implementing these things and having massive success. And I, like I said, I'm an example of not implementing it properly and seeing it, you know, hurt the business. So I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing that with us today, Chris. Well, I'm grateful to be on. One thing I just want to quick point out on the scroll, the infrontinsights.com, it's just worth pointing out one of the ways that we do this, guys, is we built a tool called Infront, and, and what Infront does is it it collects it, it is a structured way of collecting feedback from your frontline people, from your frontline employees, mm. and we turn it into really, really valuable intelligence for your business. Where it's almost like you can't be at every job, you can't talk to every single customer. Tapping into the perspective of the people who are in the in the trenches every single day, in the homes every day, it's extremely valuable. Listening to your people. I mean, if I were to give one tip, the, the first place to start is listen to your people. Before you write down the customer experience, and this is what we did with the client I'm with this week, before, before they wrote it down, they said, let's ask our people what they think makes us special. What aspects of what we're doing right now already make us special? If you ask somebody what makes you special, they tell you, you write it down and then you go back to them and say, everybody, we're going to do this. And they mm-hmm. were part of it. Think about how powerful that is. Oh, yeah. So massive front, Brian. It may get massive. It's there. If that's one, it's yeah. human nature one hundred and one. I mean, this is yeah. just human interaction one hundred and one. Of you listen to somebody and you, and you put their idea into motion and, and they take ownership and then they can take ownership of it. Guess what? Now they're going to tell other people, no, you got to do that. You got to do that. Yeah. That's how we do things around here. That's I what we that. use in front to do. Now, is there a certain you. size? Is there a certain size that you need to be before this is actually effective? Like, if you have two people out in the field, I mean, is it too small? Or 50 plus, 50 yeah. plus. I mean, it, it's, I, mean, I, I would say if, if you've got 50 people serving customers or more, I mean, that that's where in front, because the data, because the bigger the sample size, the more relevant the data becomes. But that's where I would say, I mean, for, for the people listening, again, you have partners, you have big brands, manufacturers that you work with and things like that. And you're their sales force. Right. Yeah. You have a rep from, you know, from the different companies you work with, but you know, those reps tell you a story. You said you don't even know their story. And then, and then your people are representing those products. And I can tell you, you know, those people shape my opinion of what I think of those brands. So I think in a lot of cases, it's, you know, the work we do, we would work with them to say, okay, what does the experience look like throughout your whole value chain? Right. Yeah. From, from your company, to your salespeople, to your contractors, to, to, the, you know, to their technicians, what does this look like? And we give people a full view. So a lot of times those are the companies that we're working with. Well, but if you're a larger shop, then, you know, 50 plus, you can see a lot of value for this. So tell me this real fast. This will be the last question, I promise. And that is what happens if you get into this and you're like, I don't really I don't like where we're at right now. And I don't know that I want to have input from our people that are there right now. And maybe I want to get them replaced or, you know, or, or do we have that conversation with them? And then all of a sudden they surprise you with, Hey, this isn't what we do, but this is what we should do. What I would, as a rule of thumb, what I would say is don't embark on that type of exercise. Don't embark on, on hearing your people. If you're not confident that they, um, if you're not confident that they, that you want, want their opinion. Everybody should want their opinion. But if you've yeah. got yourself in a spot where you said, this is not the team that I want long-term and they're not going to be representative of where I want to go, I wouldn't ask. Okay. You know, one of the, one of the things is don't ask for, you know, you, we all know somebody who will ask for input, but doesn't actually want it and, and won't actually do anything with it. Be careful not to be that. So I'd say, I call unless, those people, you feel good about your team, I call those people assholes. I call those people my family members, usually. (laughs) They ask for advice all the time, and then they never do it. And then a month later, they ask again. Most of my family Did you do the last thing I I said? Yeah. We all probably do it to a certain degree. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. I like we're just not Josh quite ready. We're not. We're not quite ready for like what they have to tell us. We're like, okay, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll ask you. I'll ask you again in a couple months. Let me ask somebody else because I want a different answer. 
<laughs> Josh, were you going to say something else before I interrupted you earlier? I was just going to say, because we were going through our core values, I was going to add to your point because we, what we did is we took these things and we put them on sticky notes. So I had my vision, right. As, as, as the owner and the founder, but then I, we had from one-on-ones and things that we've done over the last few months, we had words that our team has used to describe us. And then we took those and we, we kind of, it's like a collage, right? You try to pick based on those, how they fit together and what they think really describes who we are. But it was an interesting exercise to see what their words are versus what the, what I would say. And I would highly recommend getting that feedback from your people because it was, it was interesting, if nothing else, just to see what they say about who we are as a company, what we're trying to do and stuff like that. It's always a great exercise. I mean, you, you get a lot from doing that. It doesn't matter if you're big or small, doing that is, is a great exercise. And tomorrow, you know, I have the pleasure, like I said, of being here with a client where tomorrow we're going to unveil their evolved brand, uh, you know, and, and all the pillars, the stuff that you're talking about. We developed this internal brand for them with pillars and everything based on their feedback, right? Based on their feedback. This isn't something that we built. You built this. This is for you, by you. And that's how you really start to get brand starts to mean something. That's really That's cool. awesome, Chris. Man, we really, really appreciate it. Where can people connect with you to learn more? Yeah. So, I mean, so Infront Insights is, is scrolling along the bottom. If you want to find me, the best place to find place to find me is on LinkedIn, very active on LinkedIn, you know, sharing videos, you know, pu- publishing articles and things like that. So Chris Wallace, now here's the key. Chris Wallace in Philadelphia. Okay. Philadelphia, name of my company is Interview. Our product is Infront, but Interview is, is the company name. There are a lot of Chris Wallace's on LinkedIn. So make sure <laughs> you're looking for the home of the National League champion, Phillies, Philadelphia. <laughs> and I had to work that in there. I know. Uh, I I love it. My and the undefeated Eagles at the time of this recording. So <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> so. That's awesome. We appreciate you coming today. Thanks, Chris. Guys, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Service Business Mastery. Now that you are equipped with essential business advice from this impactful conversation, you are one step closer to becoming the successful owner of your dreams. If this episode has been helpful to your business journey, don't forget to subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and share it with other owners as well. Visit servicebusinessmastery.com to learn more.